One hour, everything Everton on City Talk 105.9. Very good evening and welcome to the Blue Room on City Talk 105.9. It's me, Dave Downey, Matt Jones and Dave Bennett with you for the next hour to uh, bask in the glory of what, have, what has been a fantastic transfer window for Everton. We've signed so many players, got positions covered left, right and centre and... Uh, no, we really haven't. It's not been that good whatsoever. It's actually been pretty poor, pretty drab. We're still waiting on confirmation of uh, Aaron Lennon getting over the line. Um, and other than that, it looks pretty sparse and pretty desperate. Dave Bennett, what's your initial reaction to this transfer window? Well, we've got to be happy that John Stones is here. We're looking at the positives, haven't we? I mean, it's we've much maligned the, the lack of activity of players coming in, but... Um, the fact that we've managed to hang on to John Stones and the window's shut and it's actually official now that we have kept him, that that's a massive plus for us and and kudos to the uh, board and, and Martinez for, for making that happen. But in terms of players coming in, it, it is very lacklustre com- compared to when you think of what, what finances have been spent elsewhere in the league by teams in and around us. It, it, it's one of them where you, you, you do worry a little bit because it's a very competitive league this season. But as I said earlier, um, in the season at the very start, I think cleverly and Delafeo, they're more than four million pounds worth of player when you're adding up what Everton have spent. Um, so I think that they are two good additions that we have managed to get in. I mean, cleverly, I think started really well for us, and it's disappointing that we're going to miss him for a couple of months. And Delafeo showed last week since we last had the show what he can do this season and how how good he could be for us this season. So I still think we've got one of the better squads in the league. We're, we're definitely um, worthy of being up in the upper echelons if we get it right uh, tactically on the pitch this season. Matt, that's probably as uh, bright as things you're going to get. I, I take it on this show tonight because uh, from my point of view, it's been absolutely dour. Well, Martin has said that he wanted to start start in the transfer window, sorry, with a, with a stronger squad. I don't think anyone could deny that the players we've brought in, the squad is bigger and, and there's more depth in certain areas. But presume this Lennon deal does go through, which is meant to be about £4.5 million, pounds, Everton probably will have spent about £20 million now. And, and I look at the players we've brought in and I don't think any of them really immediately improved the first team. And I think that's been the case for mm. the, the last two summer windows because we brought in all the loan players in Martinez's first season. We signed a couple of them in the in the, in the second season, and, and this year again, it it's it, there's there's no player there who, who will look at it immediately and think he's definitely going to come into the team and he's going to make us a much better side. They're all kind of squad players. They'll do a job in a few positions. Delafay is still quite raw. Granted, he's got massive potential, but I don't look at the squad and think we've made any major gains from the first level from last season. I don't think we're any better equipped to cope with the problems that we had last season in terms of breaking teams down who were going to come in and bunker in at Goodison Park. And I think we've got a lot of players in the team who all love the pitch to open up in front of them. But as we've seen against Tottenham and as we've seen at times already this season, teams aren't going to let us do that. They're mm. cutting on to that very quickly. So uh, hopefully they can get something over the line in terms of a creative player in the last the last you know couple of hours. It goes on to late o'clock, I believe. But yeah. I, I look at the squad and I'm still a little bit concerned about, about various areas of it. Yeah, as we know, you know, miracles can happen, can't they? <laughs> Often don't happen when you're an Everton fan, but uh, we are live, so we'll keep you updated if anything does happen. We've got Sky Sports News on here. They probably won't tell us much anyway, but we'll, we'll keep our <laughs> eye out. Uh, they're doing the best, but the, uh, the one major move tonight seems to be Jonathan Walters handed in a transfer request. I think Sky have had a bit of a nightmare today. <laughs> I'm just looking at the guy at Melwood there. 
He, he looks like he's bored himself to sleep. At some point today, <laughs> he looks like he's just got up. Can I cut away from Everton on this deadline day? This Berahino you know, thing's wound me up. It, it really does me. I didn't when he, he came out and tweeted and said he won't play for West Brom again. He won't play for this chairman, and he looks like he's just going to rot there for at least until January if they haven't Tottenham haven't managed to persuade them at the last minute to to part with him. And I just think these players, why sign a contract if you're not going to honour it? Mm. It's 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 a joke. It it really is, and it it. It's testament again to go back to John Stones to the way he's handled himself and got on with the job. I know it, this is Berahino's second window of trying to get out the club, so we, I, I can understand he's, he's grew a bit more frustrated. But don't sign the contract, lads, if you if you aren't going to turn up yeah. and play. No, I agree. I think he's completely embarrassed himself by doing that, especially with the backdrop of the Stones mm. issue there and how well Stones has conducted himself. Um, whatever newspapers, rumours decide to make up on him or not, mm. um, he, he certainly looks to be the... Uh, the model professional and long may I continue certainly in an Everton shirt anyway um, the point I want to make Dave I think the Stones thing uh, is it's always going to be a big issue for fans who are I'm going to say pro board but those who are not as I don't think anyone's pro board no, I think I don't there's, see just, the... just, there's just people who are less anti-board yeah that, I agree that, that was for want of a better term if you like but I, I, I think the it's easy to make a lot of how important it is keeping John Stones when we haven't signed anybody ourselves. I think it's all well and good. The intent rejecting a bid is fantastic, particularly in the current climate where top clubs cherry-pick players whenever they want. I think it's a great sort of stance to take against them. The problem I have is, you know, it's all well and good having the uh, the bottle to do that sort of thing, but on the other side of it, it's like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll keep hold of him, but there's very little by way of ambition shown on the other facet of football and that's you know bolstering your squad that's trying to improve and progress as a team and we've shown absolutely none of that I don't think in this transfer well, window in terms of marquee players no but I mean look at look at but, jo- uh, in terms of first me, 11 though like Matt said our first 11 needs work uh, arguably, 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 no. We, I'd say we've got. I'd say Gareth Barry plays, Dave. <laughs> he does, but that's the thing. But Gareth Barry doesn't have to play. There are there are options, and I mean, I, I would have. I think we missed a big trick. So there's this failure in the market then, because it is a failure today. I'll, I'll I'll state that as a fact on the show. I think it's a failure our transfer dealings today because, Ta- because well, of this number ten thing that he's gone on about. Let me, let me, let me get also, me point out that I was doing. But you point do you point the finger at the manager here. Is the manager well, we don't fault? know. We don't know whether it is Martinez being shrewd in in terms of what he wants to do, or whether it is the board saying no, you can't have a target that he wants. But look at players like John Stones, like Seamus Coleman, who were bought, and people not really thinking much of the signings, and that they've gone on to to do really good things in a way. Both both players are worth vast amounts of money now from the little outlay. So who knows whether Holgate's going to go on and do mm. this in the next year or two because he's thought of as much at Barnsley as Stones was. Who knows what this Argentini- Argentinian kid from River Plate Murray's going to do. It, it's what He's been uh, condemned by so, some correspondence over that side of the world, but we've seen something in him. Who knows whether he's going to come in and be the guy. And and, and the striker could, could also turn out to be a gem. I mean, the times other teams in the league, Swansea in particular, unearthed players that 
like like a Michu or someone where everyone's like, who's that? And he turned out to to be a really good player. It ju- just because it's not a marquee signing doesn't mean in the long term it's not going to be a good signing. But I, I mean, I I, w- I would have liked to have seen more more marquee signings. Of course, I would have like any fan. Um, I'm I'm not saying we we shouldn't assign more marquee players at all. I I agree with that. I think a club like us, I've got to you've got to pick your battles in a way. You've got to try and get these these unearthed gems from, from far corners of the world. And I've, I've got no issue, no issue with that, but I just look at the other teams in the Premier League and you, you touched upon West Brom there. They've made a big statement about keeping the best player and they've gone out and spent over £30 million yeah. as well this summer yeah. on players like Rondon, on, on Johnny Evans, James Chester, Ricky Lambert. They, they've they've spent a, a big amount of money. All players that our fans would have fumed if we signed. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, but it, it, that's beside the point, isn't it? If, if Everton had gone out and spent... Thirty million pounds. They'd, they'd isolated targets and and they brought someone in who was going to immediately improve the team. And that's that's the thing for me. It's it's you can see why Goodison Park is so such a hotbed of angst and frustration because you go to the ground and you see the same faces every single week and, and the same players in the same system, and it just grows a little bit tiresome after a while. And you think if it's a case of us, surely it's going to be the case with the players as well. If if they're seeing players who are coming in who are who are at their level and not and not dragging the level up of the team. What what good's that going to be for morale? I'm, I'm just I'm just a bit disappointed. I think someone like Yarmolenko, Shakiri, Wijnaldum, all these players who we were linked with by mm. by reputable sources, and we didn't get any of them in at all. Yeah. And and that's either a, it's it's a worry in terms of why aren't players coming to Everton or why haven't we got the money to go out and buy these players when there's so much sloshing around in the Premier League? No, I think that's spot on. I couldn't couldn't put it better myself. I, I think, uh, and I mentioned it a couple of times on the show so far this season. Um, I'm all for what you've mentioned there, Dave, getting these lads in, the likes of Holgate, who could well go on and be future stars, could well be the next John Stones and you know, could well make our, our side worth upwards of hundreds of millions of pounds. That's fantastic. But I think if you've got, if you adapt to the policy like that, that's all well and good. Keeping Stones, again, is another fantastic statement. But we're in the here and now, and there's, there's very few... I'll make the point again, there's very few players at Everton who, are, who you could say are at the pinnacle of the career. Possibly Coleman, possibly Morales. Who would you who would you say who, Lukaku, who would, Barkley. No, they're still they're still potential, you would say. No. Given I, the ages. No, I, I think well, if, 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 if I, think if, I think they're coming into the into the four. Well now, if he's like, at his, if Lukaku's at the prime of his career, then twenty eight million was a bit of a rip off, wasn't it? Because he's, he's not, he, of course, he's not he, there he, yet. He's, how old is he? 21, 22? 20, yeah, 20. that's what I'm saying. He, I'm I saying like that 20... over the next few years, he's he's in the prime of his striking years. Exactly the next few years, and this is what I'm saying to you. That that includes this season. He's coming into it now. But the here and now that it's Everton, a big season for him. The here and now that Everton seem to live by in every other facet of the business that they do in terms of transfer dealings from sponsorship to everything else that's been criticised so far this summer, they live very much by the here and now in that regard. Not so much when it comes to the team. They don't live in the here and now. It's buying for the future or dad's army. <laughs> there seems to be nothing in the middle Wait, for me. The dad's army was Smith's days. Do you know, like let's look back to them them days. Actually, when we would have just brought Mark Hughes in at forty four <laughs> and uh, Ginola with his all grey hair and and players like that. I mean, it's far flung. That that's why I I struggle to to pounce on the on the board as much as some people mm. because I I think back to them days in the in the mid to late nineties and early two thousands where. 
we were so poor and the players, the calibre of player and at what stage of the career they were coming in was so bad. I think Everton are a much better side and a much better squad than then. Um, but it's all would, relevant though, Dave, isn't it? Everybody else is better than back then as well. Everybody else that's around us is better. You know, for every, mm. you know, we've mentioned there, for every Ginola we've signed, somebody else has signed someone that they probably hated back then and now they're a decent, formidable Premier League no, side. No, I'm, I'm saying the, the calibre of player we have now is better than then. But so I... I think that the standard's been dragged up as a whole now, hasn't it? Mm. Like if you look at Crystal Palace with players like Yohan Kavai and, and West Ham with, with Dimitri Payet and and their players who you look and you think they could have come into Everton's team and, and done a brilliant job. And I was I was reading today if if Lennon goes through Everton will have the eleventh best net spend in the uh, in the Premier League and that's exactly where we finished last season and I think Everton have always kind of honed the reputation on punching above the weight haven't they and, and, and signing these players and, and, and you know getting them in and, and bargain buys but that's not that's not a feasible long term strategy. You can only do that for so long. It's not it's not something to build a team on going forward. And if we wanted to drag ourselves back up into the top seven this year, I feel like we should have done a lot lot more. That's spot on. You, I I can't you can't defend what hasn't happened really, can you? Because it needed sorting out in the summer. The first thing people will throw at us if you disagree with it is the fact that there's no European football this season so they automatically think by default we should do better but I, I don't think that's a given with with the likes of the teams around us having spent so well and, and bolstered their squad so well I, I am generally concerned that I think from what went to and I, and I wasn't overly optimistic as well as most people know who listen to our show um, but you know you, you're looking at Everton now we, we are in that pack well and truly I don't think we're Everybody else is also runs anymore. I honestly think we're in there with Swansea, Stoke. I think yeah. we're in that that cluster of middle mid table sides. Well, we always are, and it just it's just whether if you have a good season, you break away well, from I, it. Have we always been? I mean, you look at last season was our first. We always first time we finished outside the top ten in nine years. No, I'd say at the start of each season, you 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 start in that pack, right. but Everton have consistently broke away and been the be- the, the better of the middle of the league and, and, and managed to get into the fifth and sixth quite regularly. But I would never say, I don't think we've ever started as many seasons in that time where mm. we've said we're guaranteed to be right up there challenging for the Champions League. It's just we, we've always done the made the best of what, what we've had. Um, it, there's no two ways about it. There's some very good teams in the Premier League this year. I still think Everton are one of them. I I, I really do. I, and, I, and I do think we can be competitive in the league with the squad we have. I mean, what, one marquee player, Shakiri or Yarmolenko, comes in, then I think it, the, the window looks a whole lot different. And it would have been great to add one of them because the buzz it would have to give the, give the place. But... Hopefully we can uh, go back and get the Armalenko deal done in January. I, I mean, hopefully there is still flames mm. to be reignited there. Dave Bennett, ever the optimist, eh, man? <laughs> you've got <laughs> to be though, haven't you? Well. You've got you've got to be though. I mean, what what's the point being pessimistic? I mean, let's is that enjoy- a direct question to me. <laughs> no, yeah, but I've got a few Evertonian mates that are like you. But you want to get you want to wake up on a Saturday morning thinking three points today, and you, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm just an optimistic person. I think Dave and you and but, you're, you're the opposite. It's, that, uh, well, it's the old half full versus half empty. Yeah, you can't really be let down, can you? But, in my situation, you want to go to the game and enjoy it. I think exactly. it's tough to enjoy it at the moment, though. Exactly, that, that's exactly it, Matt. It's like that that Watford game on the opening day of the season when everything was just the same. It was just. It was the first time I felt apathetic at the match before. It was just kind of like... It was a horrible what, game, what, that Watford one, but, but, but then, but but then really the changed. transition of the Southampton one, what, you think, oh, well, there's there is. Sorry, Dave, just quickly. The Man City game was different because we, we beat Southampton, everyone was up for it, and the atmosphere was great. Like it always is when we play them. Mm. But, you know, 
a couple of weeks down the line, it's just going to be the same again. You, you, you can't. <laughs> it's just it's just really really stale. And I think that first eleven, even though everyone says, "Oh, Everton have got a really competitive first eleven, we can go up against most teams in the league." It's stale. It's so stale. And and the players in that team now. You look at Gareth Barry. You look at Tim Howard, especially who are older now, and they're they're getting to the stage where they're looking a lot past the best. And they're not even to the, the main issues in it. We're, we're lacking creativity. We're lacking, you know, we're lacking another centre forward. And there are. It, the squad is so thinly spread in a lot of areas. Interesting times. Not the best of times either, unless you listen to Dave Bennett on this show <laughs> anyway. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a, a little bit closer look at that Tottenham game. First up in that match with Stephen Naismith, by the way. I think that's uh, pretty much indicative of where we are. The fact, Well, maybe with the manager as well. We'll get on to Roberto Martinez and that Tottenham game when we come back. The Blue Room on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back, it is the Blue Room City Talk 105.9 with you through till 7 o'clock. It's me, Dave Downey, Matt Jones and Dave Bennett. Uh, you can get in touch, well, so well, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, what am I saying? You'd have to tweet me, though, this, is just, this isn't just a plug for myself, it's because Ped's got the login details. <laughs> I'm on the, the Blue Room, yeah. Oh yeah, there we go, saved by the bell, yeah. Dave Bennett's at the Blue Room EFC if you want to get involved in I've tonight. I've got 8% uh, battery though, so... <laughs> find Dave Bennett to charge it if not at David Downey 17 if you want to get in touch with me uh, and tweet any of your thoughts on the show which a couple have already and uh, some very pertinent points made here uh, what have we got here uh, someone's tweeted me saying the number 10 we've been waiting for on its way to Goodison I presume that's a picture of a bus uh, <laughs> John Jackson says turning down 8 million for Naismith but watching Hernandez go for 7 million is absolute madness I think there's a few mitigating circumstances involving wages and stuff I've, like that I've, there, but that's the exact type of player, Matt, that you'd think Everton would be pouncing on. Yeah, I've got no problem keeping Steve and Naismith. I know eight million sounds like a lot of money, but at, at this stage in the window, when you, you've got no time to come in and, and and get a replacement in, I don't think there's any issue keeping all of them now. You know, if if the, the offer had come in a week ago and we had time to isolate a replacement or, or put it towards another player, then that's a completely different matter but mm. with hours to go in the window mm. no we have to stay we have to stay yeah. uh, and a Liverpool fan getting on at me saying how on earth did you lot not sign a goalie and a striker uh, well we're sitting here trying to answer that very question ourselves uh, and you'd have to get onto uh, the club for that one another Liverpool fan tweeted the Blue Room saying um, what, what's, why, uh, why is the different fluctuations in the price for Maury um, can we shed the map might be able to shed some light on that I yeah. think Tony Barrett tweeted before saying that there was a clause in Maurice contract which which happens quite a lot in, in South American football where the player gets a, uh, a certain share of the of the money and it's, uh, <laughs> it sounds like Everton weren't really aware of it and as the uh, as the transfer window's <laughs> gone on they've become aware of it and they, they've essentially paid a little bit extra to get the deal over the line quick but again I'm, I'm not entirely sure on that just, that's just what I was uh, reading this morning uh, we've got another tweet in this is great tell that fella who thinks everything's great you're not, you're, you're not negative to his positive you're just a realist and not naive that is me to a T I'm going to put that as my Twitter handle now I'm going to change me uh Thing, details about me to that Dave that is me you're definitely not a realist you are a bad pessimist does it generally happen though what I say no do you know what I mean no it, you've had your words so many times it's gonna, untrue we're going to talk about Tim Howard <laughs> we're going to talk about Tim Howard being yeah. great now yeah. eh? <laughs> speaking of which uh, Tim Howard <laughs> man of the match performance in Spurs this weekend that was nicely done that. Uh, we come out of it with a well I'd say a credible nil-nil draw we didn't play well enough to win mm. a draw I didn't think Matt thought Spurs were much the better side if, you, if you're going on point scoring but ultimately a nil-nil draw there isn't that bad no no on the face of it it's not a bad result and I think he went there with the with the same sort of intentions as the Southampton game 
same team apart from Oviedo coming in at left back, and it, it just kind of didn't really work. It was, the team was very fragmented. There was no there was no attacking cohesion, no defensive cohesion. I think Spurs got the tactic spot on. Really, they they put three energetic midfielders in the middle of the park, stopped Barry and McCarthy from from getting the foot on the ball. Um, again, I think it's the second season in a row where, where Gareth Barry struggled with Tottenham, and uh, we've seen some local reports and some reports from other journalists saying that they thought he had an outstanding game, and I, c- I couldn't really disagree more. To be honest, he made a lot of individual errors, mm. gave the ball away in dangerous areas, and you know I, I think he's a useful player for us. But in that type of game, when you're going up against an energetic team like Tottenham, mm. it just doesn't suit him anymore. He, he needs time to get his foot on the ball and. You know, you don't get that in the no. Prem. Great, great credit to Tim Howard though. He's, he had an awful game against Manchester City. You know, we, we didn't talk about it last week. Well, but... did you know what? Against Man City, he actually had a, a good game. By the two goals, he made some good saves. <laughs> but you, it, you it can't was one of them. Only... I know it, it, it's like catch twenty three, yeah. isn't it? But uh, over the up until they scored, you go you, against Man City. You'd you'd say he was like one of the better players. He made mm. some good saves. Um, but then yeah, you should do better with the two goals. It's indicative of Tim Howard, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I have no problem at all with Tim Howard's performance against Tottenham and it's very, very rarely you hear me saying that. <laughs> but I thought he was fine. Yeah. Um, he, he actually made saves and I've started trying to sort of differentiate between the term saves and stops mm. because stopping the ball is totally different to saving yeah. the ball. I think saving the ball is an actual general you know, reaction of, of emotion with your body where you've moved yourself to get in the way of that ball whereas a stop is just putting yourself in the way and, and the ball simply hitting you. That's what mm. Tim Howard does best. Yeah. When the ball gets towed at him, he stays in the way. Uh, <laughs> when, when, when he's got to move for it, that's when he generally has difficulties. Yeah. But to give him credit against Spurs, the two sort of one-on-one situations that he had, he coped with them really well. Mm. He, he moved his hand towards the ball and he saved them. Not to be as patronised. So he, he, he was be. an actual goalkeeper then. But yeah. I, I just think an, an inform Harry Kane goes round him there and... He would have he, the the motion the movement he's made to save that shot from Kane. I think he would have made the exact same mm-hmm. movement, and he would have been sat down on the floor, and Kane would have just walked it in. But um, is this for, criticizing Tim Howard? Me, me no, no I, 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 it's like here? we just. I'm like Durham, man. I just take the opposite <laughs> to, to what you're saying. Just, to, but no, I mean, I mean, Kane's. It's a bad miss that one. He, I think the the save from uh, Mason was was really good in the second half, and mm-hmm. no doubt t- Tottenham had the the better chances of the game and, and should have beat us. And and it was f- thanks to Tim Howard that that we came away with a point. I I think um we we started the game okay. I I, I think Kone looked very sharp and that, that looks like he can. He, he really it's not just a flash in the pan, and it, it's not just a few games. I think he can really be a, a, a useful squad member for us this season. Um. I think the injury to Cleverly really hamstrung us in the game because I I think that's the reason why he didn't go for it more in the second half because he'd lost one of his substitutions and I think with Barry struggling and the midfield needing to be more energetic and as the game wore on I think the 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 natural substitution would especially with Barry being on a booking would have been to drop Cleverly back in there. Bring on Delafeo and have him on the wing, and and it would and, and it would have gave Tottenham something to think about going the other way, and we would have put them on the back foot. And I, I just think we, he was really wary that if we got another injury, then we would have been down to ten men. As the mm. after it, 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 we really did get pulled back by having that injury in the first half, it gave Tottenham a tactical advantage in the game. I think, but it, it was a good point in the end. I thought the substitutions he, he made 
did work. He made the best of what he what he could do in the second half, and uh, we could have pinched it. Kone's flashed their head yeah. wide mm-hmm. there. It was really close, and uh, whisker away from from winning it. So um, I'd take the point at Whiteout Lane there. The, the, all kind, the kind of games we lost last year, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you look at. Even the Watford game on the first day of the season, we could have easily lost that, mm. but we, we managed to get out of there with a draw. Tottenham away, we, we were on the back foot a lot. And again, last season, Tim Howard would have let a couple of goals in there, but he, he's kept us in the game. Yeah. As your goalkeeper should do away from home anyway, but he's kept us in the game and we've earned a point in the end. So I think at the moment, we're, we're about par, really. Mm. We've got the points we would expect us to get. And based on last season, when we were, we were well below par, I think uh, it's, it's, been, it's been quite a solid start all in all. Yeah, it, what, what did you make of the, the lineup, Matt? Because you had a, a really interesting tweet here regarding the wingers. I think we touched on a little bit in part one. But what did you make of the lineup? I, I was disappointed that either De La Feu or Morales didn't start. Yeah, especially after midweek, I thought they both did well when they were on. Um, I think I said on uh, in the week, I would like to see Barkley, Morales, De La Feu and Lukaku all start. Um, but I wasn't too concerned when, when he when he fielded the team he did and I think after the performance against Southampton they deserved to have another go at it really and it, it didn't work and I, I agree with Dave in a way I think that, that substitution uh, that, sorry that injury to Cleverly did, did hamper us a lot we missed his energy on, on the left side in front of Oviedo um, and, and Tottenham were overloading us quite a lot on, on the flank so you know it, it was one of them really it was just it was it was it was good to get out there with points. I think the, the, the Naismith substitution, even though a lot of people were calling for Delafeu to come on, I think that was was a good change in the end because because Coleman was getting overloaded. He rattled around, held the ball up, won free kicks, got stuck into the Tottenham players. Well, and, and right of Naismith, yeah. actually. Yeah, well, that, that, you know, that's what we needed. Then we yeah. needed to just get up the pitch and slow the game down because we, we were coming under heavy pressure. And yeah, just just glad to get out there with a point really. And it's. It's it's not one. If you lose there and you've got the international break coming up, you know today's transfer deadline hasn't gone very well for us. Moods would have been very very low going into that mm. into that Chelsea game, but at least we've uh, we've got a point. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, a couple of games undefeated as well. It's just you know can't be too bad going into a game mm. like Chelsea. The reason I ask about the lineup is, um, Anthony's tweeted us saying Lennon signs. We will have five wingers on the books. Cornell will play on the wing next week and Naismith comes on to replace him. <laughs> that it sort of goes along with my line of thinking mm. with this sort of winger situation and a lot of people desperate for wit in the team. Uh, Lennon, okay, really good last season. Um, why it's such an underwhelming signing for me is I think he'll automatically go in front of De La Feu in the pecking order if he does sign. And I don't think that's right. I think De La Feu needs games and, and, and I'd like to see him given an extended run in the side because he's never really had that in an Everton shirt. Yeah, I'd like to see De La Feu because, I mean, I, I would have liked to see him start on uh, at Tottenham. I, I put that up. Um, people were saying, no, I, I think he's still just a, an impact sub and I was like, well, this is the time where he has to transition from being an impact sub and I, similarly to when, when we were going into the Southampton game and Kone had done really well as a substitute in the previous game against Wofford, I was like, in situations like that, I'd, I'd ride the form. If, if someone comes on in, in into a game and scores and assists like Kone did against Wofford, he should have started at Southampton. He did. I'm being high on confidence. He went and did really well there. I think Delafeo coming on at Barnsley and having the impact he did, albeit against a poor side, well, a, 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 low, a much lower standard side, don't want to do them an injustice, Barnsley, because they're, they're quite good for that level and I thought they played really well in the first half against mm. us. But Delafeo doing what he did in that game, be, and he'd obviously be so high in confidence and I think Tottenham would have been terrified of him seeing his name on the team sheet and I think I think we should, we should have started him. Yeah, I really do hope Delafeo becomes a a a real 
big player for us, and I'd like to see us starting games in in a four three three with two out and out good mm. wingers. It whether that be Delafay or Morales or what Lennon, whatever way we want to play the combination of them, I think we do have to be a lot more adventurous, especially in home games when teams sit in. But it's just more options. I mean, I, I could go. I think do a job in a number ten role. It, yeah. it, you, you floating around the pitch, going wherever he wants to, and picking up the pockets of space mm. to get at people. I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't. He couldn't be a foil for when Barkley doesn't play there. I think, I think that'll be the next question put to Martin. Is Matt about this this much maligned number ten position? Mm. Who who essentially fill the void out of the stock that we've got. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of wingers, I had a conversation today on Twitter, a really interesting one about Lennon, mm. and uh, someone was praising how, how his qualities are tracking back. Mm. And my argument was, well, I don't really want to see that from me wingers. That should be the last thing we're thinking of. That is sort of very Moyes-esque way of thinking, thinking about attacking players and how they can uh, you know, help the mm. team, contribute to the team defensively. Um, from that point of view, do you think Martinez has become too cautious or cautious when you compare him to the first season because to me it seems it's like chalk and cheese given how we yeah. threw caution to the wind <laughs> you were saying last season, season he wasn't cautious enough so you can't, I know, you can't but I'm saying in terms of that, that first season contrast that with what we've seen over the last two in, in general I, I think I've he's seen, starting to find the balance I, I think, think that's I've the been key. given two samples to taste and I like the first one I think he's definitely become more uh, reactive rather than proactive I think there's, there's a lot of games now where I'm sitting there watching us and I'm thinking He's waiting for something to happen here. He's not going to affect the game himself. I think Tottenham was, was quite like that for a, for a spell in the second half, and, and the Manchester City game especially. After sixty minutes, you could you could just see that the, the tide was turning the game, and they were starting to get really on top. And I thought this is the time to make a change in the match. Now he didn't do it. Same against Tottenham, bit bit too late on his change bringing Nice before we could have easily been one 0 down. So I think I think he's uh, he, he's definitely he's definitely uh, a few shades removed in, in that sense, but. I can understand why he's been a bit more cautious this season because we've all talked about how big a campaign it is for him and those first few games we've got are all, have, been, have been really difficult and if we go there to, to places like Southampton and Tottenham and we're, and we're wide open and we play attack on football and we get we get turned over, the pressure's going to be on him straight away. Mm. So, you know, I think that's understandable. Hopefully now the transfer window is done, we've got some, got some new players in, he will throw caution to the wind a little bit, but... Um, you can understand. Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, Dave, you're getting pelters here. <laughs> just, just what Dave was saying. I think the four-three-three system's interesting. What, what Dave touched upon there. I think that's something we could see a lot more going forward. Um, I'm becoming less and less convinced about McCar- uh, McCarthy and Barry as a pair. I don't think it's working as well as it was. I think think Barry's struggling to get around the pitch. He's making mistakes, and I think that's having an, an adverse effect on McCarthy's game as well. But if you look at Southampton when Barry played behind. Uh, behind a four-man midfield as well, like a, a four-one, four-one, or four-three-three, as, as it become, can become, he's looked a lot better. So mm. that's something I'd like to see going a bit going forward a bit more because because Barry gets more protection then it allows McCarthy to to get forward. He's he's a bit more advanced. I just don't think that that two sitting really works as well as it used to. And if if we change the system to out and out wingers and, and McCarthy and uh, Barkley next to each other, it, it could work a lot better. It was one I did mean to ask you actually. It completely slipped my mind about McCarthy. Quite a little bit of flack for him after that Spurs game. He, not really. Uh, he's, he's set the bar he, very he seems high, to hasn't be he? Suffering a little bit though, Dave. This so far this season, he hasn't been great. 
Well, I, or is I, that because of Barry? A lot of people say that that is the excuse for him. That is the mitigating circumstance to, to James McCarthy's game. Is that he's doing a lot of Gareth Barry's legwork? It could be a combination of a few things. It could it could be the fact that he's he's having to do even more of Barry's work as Barry gets older and another season again. It could just be the fact that he's he's just having a little bit of a dip in form when you consider he's he's set the bar so high. What I hope it isn't is I have it on quite good authority that he was close to trying to. Get a get a transfer away from the club this season, and um, I'm, I'm hopefully that that isn't the issue, and and it's like a situation where he, he's a bit disillusioned with his uh, place in the club. But I I I I think he's a class act and a, a very key player for us, and I'm I'm pretty sure his his performance levels will ra- rise up again. Like mm-hmm. right, so we'll take another break. It's the Blue Room on City Talk 105.9. Don't go away. The fans, the team, the gossip, the results. You're listening to The Blue Room on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back. It is The Blue Room on City Talk 105.9. Matt Jones, Dave Downey and Dave Bennett in no particular order there. (laughs) Uh, Couldn't say I was the first one, could I? Reverse alphabetical order, that is me. You don't think that's too quick for my life and Dave. But, you know, you're due for one tonight because you're getting (laughs) absolutely down. Both battles this evening. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm playing the reverse pantomime villain by Dave, all accounts. There is being positives, but you do my head in tonight. It's being <laughs> poor. End of. Uh, if, and Dave again, if you think this is from uh, SLEFC, if you think we're getting the Armelanco in January when he's on a free, then you are living in dreamland. He generally does, Dave. Though he's a DJ, isn't he? Loves all that sort of. <laughs> Euphoria of nice songs. I wish I was that positive, to be honest. <laughs> Me too. Uh, since we haven't got any great signings to talk of. Or indeed, yet the Aaron Lennon deal hasn't been confirmed. Uh, take a little look at what you've made of the season so far uh, in terms of, well, not only from an Everton perspective, because you mentioned earlier, I think we all agree we're pretty much level par for what we've seen so far. Um, who's who's surprised you the most, Dave, in, in, in a positive sense? I, I think the, the business Stoke have done is, is interesting. They imploded a bit on the weekend going down to nine men, but... I think um, what what they've done is 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 really good, and I think hats off to Mark Hughes. I didn't really rate him much as a manager, to be honest. That especially after the stint at QPR, but I think he's doing a good job there, and I thought I think Stoke will be pretty competitive this season. And I think um, looking at what Bournemouth have came up with in terms of a solid base, they remind me a lot of how when when Swansea. Came up under uh, that guy over the road who, who who likes character when when he was managing there and and they had they had a good bunch um who were equipped to come and and be competitive in the uh, Premier League without many additions so I I think uh, Eddie Howe Bournemouth I think have uh, impressed me too I think they they could do all right it's it's an obvious one but for me you've got to say Manchester City I know <laughs> I know the top of the league and they've won every game but when. You know, when the season started, they signed Raheem Sterling, and then there was not many people who were who thought they'd added too much to a team that was looking a bit stale. And and you know, they've got a lot of players who were who were getting close to the age of thirty now, but they've, they've signed in. They brought in Delph, Otamendi, I think, is a, a fantastic defender, and and Kevin Kevin De Bruyne as well. He was set a record last season for the, for the most assists out of any, any player it's ever easy, in Europe. When, when, when you've got an open checkbook, yeah, and you've, but, spent, I mean, you've spent nine hundred million but, since two thousand and eight. I mean. You know, we see the first hand, didn't we? No, how, impressive how impressive they looked. And the for other us. team for me who's, who's caught caught me eye is Swansea early on. I think they've um 
they lost Wilfred Burnley obviously in, in January. They've they've bought well. I think IU looks like a, a fantastic acquisition yeah. and that, that pass on a free that, as well, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that, that pass at the weekend for the second goal was yeah. outstanding and the consistency uh, yeah. they've shown since they've came up, mm. like as a as I touched on a, a minute ago, the way I said Bournemouth remind me of Swansea when they came up. The way that how Swansea have managed to to keep rolling mm. through managerial changes big players leaving them changes it, it, it's it's a really really well run club and I think Monk's, Monk's injected a bit of steel into them as well I think hasn't he like you look at the managers they've had before with Rodgers and Martinez Lardrop and, and Sousa they, they always played nice attacking football but they were always a bit bit soft defensively whereas you look, you look at his teams now and you think they, they could go somewhere and, and be solid and defend and, and stop you from scoring as well so I think they're adaptable. They've got some some quality, creative players, and I think they're probably going to be a, the big surprise package this season. Yeah, I, I'm going to go for Leicester so far. I think. That, yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought it'd be an absolute capitulation mm. putting Ranieri in charge because he's yeah. a club a minute manager, isn't he? <laughs> um, famously known as the Tinker Man. He's still living by that as well. I think in the media, <laughs> people are still calling him not like 15 years on. I think they need to get over that yeah. one a little bit. Um, but Mares, who's, who's played for them, yeah. I know he's, it's an obvious one. He scored four and four. Absolute whip of a left foot. Yeah, and he's looked really, really good so far this season. He finished last season really good as well. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's it's interesting the amount of sides, and I know we've mentioned them, but Palace as well. I mean, look at the, the way he's up there. You've got West Ham, where he goes to Liverpool mm. and Arsenal. Yeah, Has but been that, seven? That, that, that's typical West Ham. They've won them two big away games yeah. and and got beaten them to very winnable home games, albeit against good sides in Leicester and Bournemouth, as we've mm. pointed out. But that that is just true West Ham, isn't it? That what what they've gone and done. They, they're like the London Everton West Ham. <laughs> I, I've got a bit of a soft spot for them. I think if I was a Cockney, that that's who I'd support. I've, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for West Ham. I think, love to have done their business today, by the way, Matt. You yeah. brought in about twelve players. Yelovich, yeah, Yelovich as well, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's quite it's interesting what they just touched upon there. I think the statistics going around isn't about teams not winning at home, and I think a lot of that's to do with. I think at the start of the season we all said that we felt the top four was kind of a close shop and it would be you know those those four teams who were in there last year and, and we wouldn't be able to see anyone anyone breaching that and I think over time it's kind of encouraged teams to to not really go to these places away from home and, and try and attack that the more they're happy to sit and play on the break and if you look at most teams in the Premier League now and I include Everton in this that the more suited to, to sit in mm-hmm. deep and, and counter attacking against teams and I think as the as the campaign goes on I don't really foresee this 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 trait of home teams not winning many games changing. I think it's something that's gonna come more and more into the Premier League as teams try and be cohesive and, and spring against the top sides. Has that got a lot to do with crowds as well? Because I have seen an interesting debate in a couple of the newspapers this week about mm. not only attendances but how vocal home fans are and we can all attest to this mm. being Evertonians at the moment and seeing how sort of volatile Goodison can be mm. towards our own players. The pressure's off uh, away from home. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you look at, take Everton as an example, he's t- taken four points from six away from home mm. so far this season and won a, a game away in the uh, in the League Cup. You compare that to what we've been like at home and how certain players have reacted to sort of fan abuse and stuff like mm. that. Then you know it's quite easy to make that correlation, Matt, isn't it? Between I think it's seven out of forty home yeah. wins in the Premier well, League so far. There's a pressure on your home to attack teams, yeah. isn't there? You know, if, if even if we if we played against, even though we're suited to playing counter attacking style, if we'd gone gone up against Watford on the first day of the season and just sat back deep and said, you know, you come and attack us, can you imagine what the crowd would have been know, like? Yeah. Would have been get forward, you know, you need to you need to push on and and, and attack them and. That's that, that's not how you're supposed to do it at home. You're supposed to you're supposed to get at the other team. You're not supposed to sit deep and wait for them to come at you. So mm. it's it's an interesting dynamic, and a lot of people said, "Oh, well, eventually it'll kind of even itself out." But I, I can see it 
stay for the whole season. To be mm. fair, hopefully. I, do you know what we what what question I think seriously needs to be addressed? And it, it it's Pardew. I think like you, 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 <laughs> you like like you've just touched on Palace and what they've done. They've done good business and they're a really competitive side now. And I think Pulis did a great job in steadying them and, and making them a, a, a solid Premier League team. But Pardew has has kicked them on a bit, and I mean he's been much ridiculed as a as a manager down the years, and especially on this show. We I mean we've had our run-ins with him, like Moyes had run-ins with him, and, and he said derogatory things about Evan in the past. So we tend to have a dislike for the man, but. I mean, you've got to you've got to start thinking. It's it's not as much as a fluke now. He, he went to West Ham, took them to the cup final. It, it, just a, a one moment of magic from Steven Gerrard with the last kick of the game has stopped him from winning the FA Cup with them. He went to Newcastle, took them to within a whisker of the of the Champions League, and for some reason, like because the Geordies are just mad, even when they were doing well, they wanted them sacked by any means. But that they, they he, he he leaves there. Newcastle nearly get relegated. He goes to Palace. He's doing a, he's doing a really good job at Palace. It, is it time? to say that Pardew is actually a good manager now no, or I don't he think absolutely so. bombed at Charlton so and if you look <laughs> if you look at his career I think it's always been full of peaks and troughs he's, he's not really ever gone anywhere and done, done a consistent job he's either been look at that Newcastle team like you mentioned there the one that finished fourth they were absolutely superb for one season and then the next season they were awful but, they, but they go, think go, what, think, he was, what he was up against at Newcastle it, they, even when they were finishing fourth they hated them but his whole well his, they, didn't, they didn't actually his finish whole, fourth his whole managerial career is like that if you, like last season I think Newcastle started awfully they, it was maybe just a bit after the start they, they won five games in a row and then after that mm. they lost six games in a row and then alright John, John Carr was in charge at the end of the season but the team he he'd, he built lost what was it 10 games in a row mm-hmm. and it, they're just kind of on and off all the time, they were, time. last season even, in the Premier League Palace, they were in a respectable position when he left the, mm-hmm. when he when he goes to Palace they beat, they, he beat us in his last mm-hmm. game and they, they were they were they were doing all right in the league. Top ten at the time. I yeah, think. and and the and the is the part you seeing them slide to near relegation, and I I think it's time to, to doff your hat a little bit to to Alan Pardew. I yeah. I really do. I think making no friends tonight, David. <laughs> honest, uh... Do you know we'll definitely be eating this Baz from Toffee TV who yeah. used to be on here because he, he's. Pardew's biggest critic and I remember him having a huge disdain for the man but I, I think as a man he, he's got his failings at times but I think as a manager you have, you've got to start giving him a little bit of respect for what he's done now Speaking about th- those away teams as well 8 out of his 10 he's won as Palace manager away from home since he's been back there that's that's title winning form the, the, the suited aren't they to play in that yeah. way like, like we mentioned there's so many teams now they've, they've got Balassi, Zahar Punching, even the, the new lad they brought in, Bakary Sacco, and then you've got Kabai who just sits in the middle and just just pings balls to them, and they and they can transition so quick, and that that that's how a lot of teams in the league start to play now. Yeah, we've got one minute left. Dave, have you changed your prediction of where Everton will finish this season? Having I said seventh, didn't I say seventh? Yeah, I think, so, yeah. I think I'd, I'd still I'd still say we're in and around seventh. Yeah, definitely, Matt. I I can still see us finish between eighth and twelfth. That's what I said at the start. I'm a bit concerned we didn't improve our, our first our first eleven, but in January, hopefully we'll go and get someone like y'all and go it'll give us a bit of a boost. Give us a cup. Take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean the League Cup, we've nearly gone out again there last last week. It was a it was a strong side that he put out, but there was needless changes. It, we should be playing the games in the League Cup like it's a league fixture. Mm. Change it like you would for a league game and that's all I'd say to him. I mean, give us give us a top ten finish in the League Cup and you're a legend for us, Roberto. Just play for the League Cup give us a, a good run in a cup and get us to yeah, Wembley that's I, what we want definitely 
And the fact we finished today's show on transfer deadline day talking about how good Alan Pardew is and how poor of a transfer window Everton has, I think it's time to say goodbye. And we'll be back at the same time next week, hopefully. With it, well, there's no game, so we'll be pretty much in the same mood. Uh, podcasts available as always. Uh, you've been listening to the Blue Room, and we'll see you next week. This is the Blue Room City Talk 105.9.